Welcome to this week's Point Community Church Sunday Sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Point Community Church, please visit our website at tpcc.org.au. Well, who, who wants to become awesome at forgiveness? You know, that's where we're headed. Who wants to become really awesome at forgiveness? And I'm not talking about pretend forgiveness. You know, not the, oh yeah, I forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. Yeah, it, that, that's not forgiveness. That, that's just vengeance on hold. And not, uh, I'm just going to ignore the hurt that you've imposed on me. I'm just going to bury that. that, that that's conflict avoidance. That, that's not real forgiveness. Who wants to be awesome at real forgiveness. Hopefully all of us, because that's what we're looking at uh, for the next 30 minutes or so. But, but it's not just what we're looking at tonight. You see, forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be Christian. And at the same time, real forgiveness is really hard. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, tells us, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. And then we're also going to hear Jesus say tonight, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he, uh, so, Jesus is saying the onus is always on us. If you know someone in church has something against you, go to them. If someone has sinned against you, go and tell them. You see, if there is a broken relationship that you have with someone in church, because no, it was to brother or sister, it was within our church family. If a brother or sister, if you know they have something against you, you have something against them, they've sinned against you, it's always your first move. It's always your move. That's what Jesus is telling us. You see, forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be Christian. And so here's how tonight's sermon is going to roll out. Firstly, we're just going to look at what forgiveness is. And then we're going to look at two resources. Jesus calls us to be forgiving people. Forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be Christian. And so Jesus also gives us two resources so we can grow as forgiving people. So that, that's where we're headed. What forgiveness is... Resource one, resource two, that's where we're headed. So firstly, what forgiveness is. Got your Bible open, Matthew 18, verse 21. Note, note where uh, this all started, that uh, Jesus' parable came from the fact that Peter asked, how often, Jesus, are we supposed to forgive a person? Now the crazy thing is, the, the Jewish tradition back in the day actually had an answer. Three times. <laughs> After that, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Just forget about them. And so when Peter said, okay, how many times are we supposed to forgive? Seven? 
He probably, Peter thought he was being generous. But what did Jesus turn around and say? 77 times. Wow. That number is so large, Jesus knows you don't keep track. You couldn't keep track. You would lose track. Forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be Christian. Jesus expects his followers to keep on forgiving. So that's the original setting of Jesus' parable about the unforgiving servant which we're going to look at. Look at, read from verse 23 with me. How many times are we supposed to forgive? Well, 77, just keep on forgiving, go for it, don't keep track. Therefore, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle account with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. I take it none of us have paid in talents, yeah? If you follow your footnotes down, you'll find that it's a huge number. One talent was probably the equivalent of 20 years' wages for the average labourer. And some people have done the maths today, played it out. It's over a trillion dollars in modern-day money. Jesus has picked a huge sum here. Which means that servant wasn't uh, someone washing feet, cooking meals, washing the dishes sort of servant. This servant was probably a king within the king's kingdom, like a governor or a satrap. He looked after huge accounts. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a denarii is about a day's wage. So a hundred days wages, a few months worth of cash. A lot less. And seizing him... He began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do every, to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Uh, now one thing we need to remember with a parable is like, That didn't actually happen. Jesus is using this story to give us some very deep spiritual truths. To lose 10,000 talents, that would have been huge. The king was risking his entire kingdom by forgiving that debt. And so with that sort of high-stake situation... 
I want to point out three lessons, three things about forgiveness that we can get. And they're all found in verse 27. Have a look at verse 27. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And so lesson one, when it comes to forgiveness, the king looked at the servant and had pity. Now, I don't think pity is quite the right word in the 21st century because we sort of, that's more of a, oh, I'm having pity on you. And so perhaps a better word for us today is compassion. Looked at him and had compassion. His heart went out to him. He felt for him. The king's heart went out to the servant. Imagine someone confessing to you that they had squandered all of your financial security. Like current and future, they squandered it all. Is your reaction compassion? Is your heart going to go out to them? Lesson number one is this pity. Jesus deliberately confronts us with just one word. Compassion. Wow. If you want to do some deeper sort of reading on forgiveness, Miroslav Volf is a great guy to read. He's a, a Croatian Christian. He grew up facing that sort of racial tension that led to war uh, through the 20th century. So people hating people, going to war. He's come out of that sort of conflict. And he wrote this in his book, Exclusion and Embrace. Why do we fail to forgive? Because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans, even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. Why do we find it so hard to forgive? Because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans, even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. That sounds an awful lot like 21st century cancel culture. Oh, you, you're not even human. As for me, I'm not even a sinner. let's, Let's apply this on the ground. Thanks for your prayers tonight, Janice. Always, I love your prayers, but in particular around the referendum. I I trust you are informing yourself on how you are going to vote come referendum day. I trust you have strong convictions about your vote. And I trust that we can have compassion for those who have the opposite conviction. You see, anything less would be unchristian. Forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be Christian. And forgiveness begins with compassion. The king had compassion. On that servant. That's lesson one. Lesson two from verse 27 is we're told that the king released the servant. Now we'll have to come back to this one in a little bit because it immediately raises the question. I mean, did 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 that servant just sort of, I don't know, it was a bit incompetent, mismanaged the funds, or was he an actual thief? 
But like, really, should the king let him go, release him? Was he a good governor who made some bad calls? Or was he a gambler who wasted all the money away? Jesus doesn't tell us. We're simply told. The king released the servant. Um, we, we love verses like that, Isaiah 1, uh, one that was read out for us by Troy. Uh, our sins are washed away. You know, we're, they, they were like scarlet, they stained us, uh, but now we're white as snow. Uh, we love Isaiah 43, 25, uh, Hebrews 8, verse 12. God forgets our sin. But when somebody sins against us, are we ready to forget? Are we ready to release? We want to hold on to the memory, don't we? So we can bring it up at opportune moments. We say we forgive, but boy, I'm not going to forget. We drag up past injuries. Uh, We're more demanding or controlling of people that have hurt us than we are other people. We're we're a bit more cold towards someone who's hurt us or or we ignore them more than somebody who hasn't hurt us. The king released the servant. And then the third lesson, I've called it absorb. It comes out of the last phrase of verse 27. Forgave him the debt. Forgave him. The debt. I'm calling that absorbed. The king absorbed the debt. Remember how large that debt was? I mean, Jesus went for a number that's just astronomical. I don't think Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, could forgive a trillion dollar debtor. It would financially ruin them forever. The king in Jesus' parable absorbed the cost, which in his case wasn't getting his accountant, oh yeah, just move that cell over to there and that there and it'll all be okay. No, this, this king was risking his kingdom. Which is what true forgiveness involves. Now, picture a friend gossiping about you. Like a friend gossiping about you. Muddying your name. Your reputation is going to take a hit, isn't it? Around the school, at work, in amongst your circle of friends, your reputation has taken a hit. If you are going to forgive your friend, you've got to absorb the cost to your reputation. It's not, I forgive you as long as you go and sort out my reputation, you fix up all the lies you told about me. That's what it is to forgive the debt. It's to absorb the cost. Matthew 18, 27. Wow, it's one verse with three powerful lessons on forgiveness. There's compassion, release, and absorb. Uh, This slide that, wow, look at that. I just turn and it appears. um, Helps us see why we find forgiveness so hard. Now, I forgot to change identifier here, but that's really compassion. You know, the The first one, the compassion. You see, if I'm going to have compassion on you and you have hurt me, I'm looking at Jim. Jim's a long-term mate, so I can pick on him. If Jim has sinned against me, I can have compassion on him. I can identify because, Jim, 
there but for the grace of God go I. That's why I've got to identify there, but it's compassion. Rather than compassion, rather than identify with a person who's sinned against us, we'd rather ignore them. And we can even convince ourselves that our ignoring them is forgiveness. I've just pushed, but really, it's just pushing them away and forgetting about them. It's not, having, it's not treating them like a fellow human. Uh, instead of absor- absorbing the cost, well, you know what? Sometimes the pain just really hurts, doesn't it? But instead of talking to the person who has hurt us, we talk about the person who has hurt us. We triangulate with another couple of friends. Because isn't it good to have a couple of friends and a few allies that can diss on the person that hurt us? And then there's just hundreds of ways that we can be self-righteous rather than release the person. See, There's a way you can say, I forgive you. That sounds a whole lot more like, I forgive you, and you better never, ever forget it. True forgiveness is costly. True forgiveness, uh, the, the cost of true forgiveness is refusing the right to seek repayment from the one who hurts you. And so to sum up, what is forgiveness? True forgiveness is voluntarily suffering for a fellow human. True forgiveness is voluntarily suffering for a fellow human. True forgiveness requires compassion, release and absorbing. Which brings us now to resource one, which is church. Us. Uh, Do you remember how Jesus' parable began with Peter asking the question, how many times do we have to forgive? Peter's question came about because in the passage just before, Jesus teaches us how to handle a Christian who sins against us. Which is Jesus teaching us how to handle this tension of, okay, if we release the one who has sinned against us, does that mean we just ignore their sin? Well, no, Jesus tells us, ready? Verse 15. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother or sister. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that very charge may be that very, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Oh, how many of our relationship problems would be sorted if we just followed Jesus' pattern. And Jesus' pattern is, let them know or let it go. If someone in our church family sins against you, Go tell them. And if they listen, if they repent, together, rejoice. But if they don't listen, grab another couple, maybe some, someone uh, from your point group. And uh, if you're in a D team, maybe your D team leader uh, or, or your parent and, and, and go and talk to them. And I know immediately what some of you are thinking. Yeah, that, isn't that good? Have a little posse. So we can go and get that person who sinned against me. No. 
take two or three people with you because maybe the reason why they didn't listen to you the first time is because of the way you approach them. Because the goal of this is restored relationships. And then, if they still don't repent, Jesus says, tell it to the church. And if they still don't listen, treat them like a Gentile and a tax collector. That's Jesus' way of saying, that's the first century way of saying, treat them like a non-Christian. Every church must be willing to rebuke sinful behaviour within its community. It's unloving. It is unchristian to ignore sin. Furthermore, we cannot claim to be Christian while not repenting of sin. Now, here's what I did not say. I did not say Christians don't sin. We we all sin. We all sin. But to not repent of your sin after you've gone through all of that is to be a Gentile or a tax collector, is to be unchristian. Important note, remember Jesus ate with Gentiles and tax collectors. Jesus ate with sinners. He just didn't treat them like Christians. He evangelized them. Now, how would we apply Matthew 18 in our context? Well, firstly, we expect everyone to be willing to do step one. We we all do that. Let them know or let it go. Step two, involve taking a couple of other mature Christians with you. Step three, involve some level of church leadership at that point. And if that person still refused to repent of their sin, well, we'd, we'd let them know. We just don't think you're a Christian anymore. We've got to step you out of leadership in church if you're in a ministry. We're going to let your point group know we don't think you're a Christian anymore, so we need to evangelize you. But notice, that is all done in conversation. Every step of the way is in conversation with the person. Yes, these verses can be applied in a heavy-handed, unloving fashion. That's not what Jesus wants us to do. But having said that, having recognized that danger, we must never forget how unloving it is to ignore somebody's sin. Become all self-righteous in the face of their sin. Triangulate about their sin. Jesus' pattern for dealing with the church, with sin within the church, man, it would just heal so many past hurts. And it would prevent so many future hurts if we would just listen to Jesus. It's high time we got back to following it. Because forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be Christian. And true forgiveness, it often involves a conversation with the sinner. So Jesus' first resource for true forgiveness, it's the church, it's us. Let's do this. But then if we've been listening closely to Jesus throughout his teaching and then the parable, we're probably becoming way more anxious than Peter was. You know, Peter's question was, how many times do I need to forgive? And and Jesus goes, well, you just got to keep on going. Don't keep track, no matter the size of the debt. I trust you're feeling the weight of Jesus' teaching. 
Sin is so toxic. We must confront the sinner in our family. Otherwise, uh, but, but, sorry, but at the same time, alongside that, we must not confront them until we've forgiven them. Otherwise, we would just be seeking vengeance. Remember, forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be Christian. Forgiveness, it's costly. It is painful. That is why we need the church as a resource, but we also desperately need resource too. That humongous grace. Do you like my word? Humongous grace. We, we need this resource. Do you remember the 10,000 talents? Yeah, like my guess is it's actually more than uh, a trillion dollars. It's more like up these days up to $10 trillion or something like that. Sorry for the US denominations. I just couldn't find graphics with Aussie dollars and you don't want me doing graphics, okay? Um, 10 grand, you could actually fit that in your pocket. There's $10,000 nice in your pocket. A million dollars, you could pack that into a bag, carry it around, got a million bucks. A hundred million dollars, well, okay, you need a pallet. That's a bit harder to carry around with you. There's a billion, 10 of those pallets. That gives us a sense of what a trillion dollars is. Here, that person is that person. Jesus deliberately put a sum on the table that is so huge. We, we couldn't ever imagine owing anybody that amount of money. It's a huge debt. Jesus is asking you and I this question. Do you realize the size of the debt you have been forgiven? Do we realize the size of the debt we have been forgiven? Do we know how much God absorbed to save us from our sin? Here's Jesus' point. The servant's action, you know, that choking, choking of the other servant, that only owed chicken feed. That action proved that that servant did not understand the kingdom. You see, the king has come and he has come to serve the servant. And any servant that tries to be the king will be sent out. Let's pull all this together. Forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be Christian. But still, you know, like, how on earth does God expect us to have compassion for someone who has hurt us? Resource two. God's humongous, trillion upon trillion grace. 
on the cross, Jesus Christ showed his compassion that cannot be measured. Jesus willingly, longingly, took on our sin and his father dished out justice on his own son. At the cross, God satisfies both justice and love. God is so just, Jesus had to die. And God is so loving, Jesus gladly died. (laughs) Brother, sister, at the cross, God forgave you. Not just at the cost of his kingdom, at the cost of his precious son. Forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be Christian. Has anyone read um, The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom? Yeah. If I saw three and one reluctant hand. Uh, there's a few more at Morning Church. It is an older book because Corey Ten Boom, the author, she come. She was. It's a story. Uh, her story is out of the Second World War, and. Uh, Uh, Her family hid Jews from the Nazis during the Second World War, but they got caught and put in a concentration camp. And Corey's sister Betsy died, Corey's father died. Uh, Concentration camps were an awful place for women and the the way that women were treated by the men Nazi soldiers. So Corey's uh, experienced the worst of the worst of humanity. Now, she survived the concentration camp and she became quite a popular speaker, a Christian speaker, on forgiveness and the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And um, there's books, if you can read anything by her, read it. You're going to love it, I guarantee it. Um, This comes out of her book, The Hiding Place. She's reflecting on the first time she met one of the SS soldiers that oversaw her concentration camp. It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him. The former SS man who had stood guard at the shower door in the processing centre at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time and suddenly it was all there the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's uh, painful blanched face. He came up to me uh, as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think that, as you say, he has washed away my sins. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who preach so often to the people in uh, the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Uh, Now, she recognised the soldier. He didn't recognise her. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. 
As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. Listen, the only way you and I are going to become awesome at forgiveness is if our hearts are melted by the king who came to be a servant. Once we understand, like, not just we can lead a Bible study. Once we, we individually, once we understand the cost that Jesus gladly paid to release us from our debt, we will be able to release others from the smaller debts that we are owed. Forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be Christian. Let's pray. Oh, Father, um, thank you. Thank you for Corey and, and her message to remind us that, that it's not just the command you give us, but you actually give us your spirit. You give us a supernatural power to step into forgiveness. And so we pray that all of us here tonight would fully receive your forgiveness. Would we see the debt and receive the payment and just be overflowed by your humongous grace? And then, Father, would you free us to then be a forgiving people, particularly amongst each other, Father? Would, would the flavor be amongst Christians just, oh, they forgive each other. They're, they're weird. Father, we pray this so that you would get all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our latest sermon, or better yet, join us live at 9.30 or 5 p.m. Sunday. You can find all the details on our website at tpcc.org.au.